Big Questions Answered. That's the title of our three-week series. It's a title I came up with for this three-week series. It seemed like a really good title at the time. Big Questions Answered looked really good on the invitations. But here I am right in front of you now, and it feels like a bit of an impossible quest. Because the questions we're considering are truly big ones. Next week, if God is so good, why is there so much bad? Big question, no doubt about it. Two weeks' time, can we trust the Bible? Big question. And before us now, aren't all religions the same? Big question. They're all such big, significant questions. Impossible, really, to answer them fully and properly in the short time we're aiming at. It's an impossible quest, but it's an important, impossible quest. Because these questions matter. And we don't want to be people afraid of asking the big questions. We don't want to be people who are afraid of seeking answers. We don't want to be people who wander through life missing the biggest and the best things. And so if you've come along because this question or these questions intrigue you or trouble you or interest you, it's great. We're really glad you're here. Welcome. And my aim is at least to begin to point us in the right direction of the right answers. Perhaps a beginning of a conversation about some really important ideas, some really important questions. And so before us now is the question, aren't all religions the same? It's a big question, it's a common question, a popular question, and it's a question, of course, which assumes that the answer is yes. You know, when someone asks, aren't all religions the same, what they really mean is, All religions are the same, aren't they? It's a question which is really an idea. And so I want to begin by suggesting to you that it's a very understandable idea. And so if you're following that uh, mud map, that outline, you'll see point one there, an understandable idea. Let me tell you, I don't think it's very hard at all to see why people might like this idea that all religions are basically the same. Because when you think about it, there are some obvious similarities, aren't there, between religions. Uh, They're mostly about spiritual reality. They mostly involve prayer to a higher being. They're about God or gods. Many of them teach about existence beyond this life. They tend to have certain rituals that go along with being a believer. They tend to have a code of ethics or a set of morals. And even that code of ethics can be similar across different religions. And so all in all, they can seem the same. And so it's an understandable idea. But let me make a terrible confession to you right now, okay? Here's the terrible confession. I am not really that into cars. I know as soon as I say that, my masculinity is on the line. Let me make the confession even worse. I reckon in the whole of my life, I've probably only watched two episodes of Top Gear. Okay? I drive cars. I know they're useful. I'm just not really into them. And if you pointed out a car to me today, I may or may not be able to tell you anything about it other than it's a car and it's colour. But you know what? So what? In the end, what does it matter? A car is a car. They all do pretty much the same thing. They're all pretty much the same. Now, you may think that's appalling, but I reckon that's how lots of people think about the many different religions. Not that interested, not that really into them. They seem basically the same, doing the same thing. They're just the same, aren't they? It's an understandable idea. It's also understandable because there seems to be so much trouble caused 
by religious differences. Muslims hating Jews, Jews hating Muslims, Hindus killing Christians, Christians giving a hard time to other religious believers. Surely it would be a much nicer world, a much more peaceful world, if all religions were the same. And so I think sometimes we tend to adopt this idea almost as a sort of wish fulfilment. Understandable idea. I wonder too, though, whether we like the idea that all religions are basically the same because it's easier and we'd prefer not to think about it too much. Because I reckon most people are like me. We like intellectual shortcuts. We like thinking shortcuts. And so the idea that all religions are the same is pretty appealing because if it were true, then I wouldn't really need to think about it too much. I could either believe them all or I could dismiss them all in a sort of a job lot altogether. It's just easier. The other reason why uh, it's an understandable idea is because we want to be tolerant, don't we? We don't want to say that Christianity is better than Islam or Judaism is better than Buddhism because it feels wrong, it's politically incorrect, and who are we to judge anyway? And so it seems better and safer and more noble even to think that all religions are the same. So let me tell you, if that's your idea, if you sort of think that all religions are basically the same, what I'm suggesting is it's an understandable idea. But I also want to suggest that it's a mistaken idea. It's a mistaken idea because to assume that all religions are the same, you actually have to ignore the many big, fundamental, profound differences between them. And if you reckon my idea that a car's a car is crazy, then you know exactly what I mean. Because it's pretty easy to show that, that my belief is mistaken. There are lots of differences between cars. wouldn't take much investigation to see it. And it's the same, even easier, I would suggest, to demonstrate that there is no possible way that all religions are the same. No possible way. Let me give you just some very quick examples. And look, I'm only choosing from the major religions, but here are some quick examples of some big, fundamental, profound differences between them. In Hinduism, there are many gods. In some versions of Hinduism, thousands of gods. In Christianity and Judaism and Islam, there is one god. In Buddhism, the Buddha was basically agnostic. He wasn't really interested in the question of whether God was real or not. They're different. Buddhism is, in fact, a rejection of Hinduism. It is deliberately different from Hinduism. And to say that they're the same is exactly the opposite of the teaching of the Buddha. They are different. Buddhism is a philosophy that teaches the need to remove desire and so find enlightenment. But the man at the center of Christianity, Jesus Christ, was a man of passion. He wept, he got angry, he was deeply compassionate, he got scared. All such passions the Buddha would reject as ignorance. Buddhism and Christianity, fundamentally different. At the heart of Christianity is the historical death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And yet in the Quran it is written, quote, They did not kill Jesus, nor did they crucify him, but they thought they did. See, a Muslim believer cannot accept that Jesus died on a cross, and yet that is the very core of Christian belief. They're different. Judaism rejects that Islam's prophet Muhammad is a prophet of God, and Judaism rejects the Christian claim that Jesus is God's saviour king. They're different. I'm only just scratching the surface here, okay? 
But the different religions teach on many, many different points mutually exclusive things. They could all be wrong, but they cannot all be right. For example, either Jesus died on a cross or he didn't. They both can't be true. And yet still you see, in the face of such massive, significant differences, people still want to say that all religions are basically the same. And so that's why I want to suggest to you that as well as being an understandable idea and yet a mistaken idea, it's also in fact a very arrogant idea. There's a famous story that people like to tell, uh, to use as an illustration when they're thinking about these sort of things. You may have heard it. It's about some blind men who are approaching an elephant. And when these different blind men reach the elephant, they all end up touching different bits of the elephant, who hopefully is a very patient and tame elephant. Okay? And so one man, when asked to describe what he's found, he describes the trunk. And another blind man describes the leg. Another one describes the side or the ear or the tail. They've all found the elephant. They've just found different bits of it. And so it's said when people use this story, the different religions and religious ideas are like the different blind men. They each have a different grip on a different bit of the same reality. They may seem to be different, but in the end they're simply describing the same reality, the same elephant, just from a different point of view. That seems to be a nice way out of the problem, doesn't it? A nice way around the obvious differences between the major religions, but in a nice, tolerant, politically correct way. But here's the problem. How could anyone possibly know that no religion can see the whole truth unless that person has a superior, all-complete, perfect knowledge of spiritual reality themselves. You see it? The blind man and the elephant story, it only works if there's another person who can see the whole elephant and can see what the blind men are doing. The person who wants to explain the differences between the religions in this sort of way is claiming to be able to see the whole elephant, unlike the believers in particular religions who are like the blind men, really. It's an incredible arrogance when you think about it. It's like saying, well, you know what? The Hindus, the Muslims, the Jews, the Christians, the Buddhists, the whatevers, they only have part of the truth. But I, I can see the whole truth. I can see the whole picture. And yeah, it's true. They believe different things. But hey, from my lofty, informed, intelligent perspective, I can see that although although they look very different, in the end they're really talking about the same thing. It's pretty arrogant, really. I'm sure people don't mean it to be arrogant, but it is. And in fact, it's absurd. You cannot deal with the differences like that. Another way, of course, to deal with the difference is to say something like, well, look, I know they believe different things, but hey, in the end, what matters is that they believe rather than what they believe. As long as you believe something, that's more important than what you actually believe. But I want to suggest that that sort of idea is just arrogance dressed up in slightly philosophical clothes and is in fact incredibly dishonouring and dismissive of billions of people. Because to them, what they believe matters enormously. I'm a Christian. I believe in the promises contained in the Bible. I believe in the historical person of Jesus. I believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe what Jesus taught about himself and God and life and truth. 
And for someone to come along and simply dismiss what I believe is basically the same as a Muslim person or a Hindu person just because we believe something, well, that's arrogant in the extreme. Disagree with me, choose to believe something different to me, but don't dismiss me and my beliefs without even listening to me. And I must not uh, dismiss you and your beliefs without listening to you as well. See, folks, we don't, we don't respect someone by simply riding over what they believe or ignoring what they believe. We respect someone by seeking to understand what they believe and even critiquing what they believe, taking them seriously enough to wonder whether it's true or not. Tolerance is a great thing. It's just that it seems completely misunderstood in our society. Tolerance doesn't mean that we have to accept what each other believes as true, even if it's opposite. That's ridiculous. Tolerance means that when we meet someone who believes different things to us, we need to treat them with honour and respect. That's tolerance. And part of that is to say, you know what, I don't think what you believe is true, but I respect you still. It's okay to disagree, so long as we do it with respect. The different religions are not the same, and any attempt to make them the same is disrespectful and unloving and arrogant and ignorant. It's interesting that Jesus self-consciously set himself apart from any other religion, any other attempt to find salvation, any other pathway to higher good. In fact, really, Jesus founded a very unreligious religion. He spoke these significant words. They're on your outline, but I'll also put them on the screen. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The little word the is very important in what Jesus said. The way, the truth, the life. Not notice a way or a truth or a life, not that. Not one from among many, but one only. Little word the, important. And secondly, even more importantly, are the two words through me through me because according to Jesus the only way to the father the only way to true life the only way to salvation and paradise and peace was through him and let me tell you I reckon what Jesus meant was stunning he was describing a very unreligious religion according to Jesus salvation life forgiveness peace you ready for it according to Jesus it's a free gift it's not earned It's not a reward, it's a gift. It's received. And that teaching of Jesus flies in the face of our normal understanding of religion. It flies in the face of every other religion, really. Because our normal understanding of religion is that you have to do certain things in order to be saved, to get to heaven, to reach paradise, to please God, and so on. But according to Jesus, that's not right. According to Jesus, it's a free gift. And that was the point of his story that Colin read for us uh, that we heard earlier about the Pharisee and the tax collector. Remember the story? It's there on your uh, outline. They each each went into the temple to pray. And the Pharisee represents the ultimate religious person, good, moral, rule keeper. If anyone deserved heaven, it was this guy. And he knew it, didn't he? Can you see what he prayed? Remember his prayer? Jesus said this Pharisee stood up. And prayed about himself. Can you see it there? That fourth line down, he says, God, I thank you. 
that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, give a tenth of all I get. This guy is good, okay? Gold medal, religious Olympics every time. Did all the right things. Every box ticked. God would have to be impressed with this guy. But the other one in Jesus' story, exact opposite. Tax collector. Now, we're not that keen on tax collectors nowadays, but back in Jesus' day, they were despised. Back in Jesus' day, you had to choose a type of person who would definitely be on the wrong side of God. You'd go with the tax collector every time. Look at his prayer. Do you remember it? The tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but he just beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's a stark contrast, isn't it? The tax collector had nothing to bargain with. He had nothing to bring to God. He had nothing to earn a place in God's good books. All he could do was admit that he had nothing, admit that he wasn't good, admit that he was a sinner, and beg for mercy. And spot the person who is acceptable to God. That's the point of Jesus' story. Jesus told the story, you'll notice, the very first sentence. He told the story to a bunch of very good religious people. And his punchline is stunning. Jesus said to them, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, the Pharisee, the tax collector went home justified, accepted by God. There you have it, folks. According to Jesus, religion, any religion, does not work. Religion does not fix things up between you and God. Because you know why? None of us are good enough. Near enough isn't good enough when it comes to God. God has a 100% pass mark. And maybe some of us might get closer than others, might be more good than others or more religious than others, but it's like missing the bus. You miss the bus by 10 seconds, 10 minutes, 10 hours, 10 days, you still miss the bus. And according to Jesus, we all miss the bus of being acceptable to God if we try and do it on the basis of what we do, how we live, how religious we are. Religion, no matter which one you're talking about, religion cannot close the gap. And so according to Jesus, the only way forward is to do what the tax collector did in his story. And that is to throw yourself on God's mercy. Which is pretty humiliating when you think about it. More dignified to try and get there on your own. Have something to brag about, but it doesn't work. We need God to be merciful to us. We need God to treat us far better than we deserve. If you're wondering how merciful God will be, well, let me tell you this. Not very long at all after telling this story that we've got on our outline there, not very long at all after that, Jesus, the Son of God, willingly allowed himself to be killed, crucified on the cross. And the reason that had to happen was to make a way for undeserving people to be made acceptable to God. People like the tax collector in the story, people like me and people like you. Because when Jesus died, he took the punishment. He took the rap, he took the blame for all the mistakes, for all the wrongs of his people. Their guilt was placed on him. 
my guilt was placed on him. Through his death in our place, Jesus has opened up a way to God that does not depend on how good we are or how religious we are. And the fact that three days after his death he rose again proves how successful he was. The way is open. Remember those words from Jesus behind me? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Only through Jesus that a person can be saved. According to Jesus, it's not what you do for him that counts, but what he has done for you. It's through Jesus. The Bible word for what I'm describing is grace. Not the prayer that sometimes people offer before dinner. Grace, the incredible generosity of God in saving people who don't deserve it. As a gift, given as a gift, it's grace. And that's why genuine Christianity is not a very religious religion. Because you know what? All other religions in the end rely on human effort in order to gain salvation. Unlike the Hindu teaching of karma that insists that wrong actions must always reap their consequences, Jesus teaches that forgiveness for wrong actions is freely available to everyone through him. Unlike the Buddha's teaching, that humans have everything they need to be pure and wise and no divine help is available or possible, Jesus teaches that we are helpless and yet he has done everything necessary to save us. It's through Jesus. Unlike the Jewish insistence about the importance of observing religious festivals and keeping the Sabbath, Jesus insists that more important than what we do is what he's done for us. It's through him. This teaching of Jesus that salvation and forgiveness is a gift flowing from the grace of God, this is actually, according to Muslim belief, blasphemous and robs Allah of glory. For in Islam, the only path, the only path to salvation is obedience to what is called the five pillars of Islam. Their confession that there is no God but Allah and that Muhammad is the prophet of Allah. Their daily prayer. They're paying the tax for the poor, the fast of Ramadan, and the pilgrimage to Mecca. Obedience to those five pillars is the only path to salvation. And any notion of grace or generosity from God, that is offensive and blasphemous to Islam. Aren't all religions the same? It's an understandable idea, but it's a mistaken idea. It's an arrogant idea because they're not all the same. And my suggestion to you is that what sets Jesus and Christianity apart from all of the rest is grace. Not having to earn the favour of God, but humbly receiving it, like the tax collector in Jesus' story. Now, folks, I said it's going to be the beginning of a conversation, and it might be that you'd like to know more about Jesus and the grace of God, and I really want to encourage you to do that because I think it's so fantastic. And the best way for you to do that is to read about Jesus yourself. And so down the front here on this table beside me, I've got some copies of one of the historical biographies of Jesus that you could find in the Bible. But it's been taken out of the Bible, made in just one book easier to read easier to hold it's called the essential jesus and it's free for you to take if you'd like to know more it includes the story of jesus that we've been looking at this morning together about the tax collector and the pharisee 
might be though you're not much of a reader, and so on the inside of the bulletin you notice there's a, a web link that you can actually download the essential Jesus so that you might want to listen to it as you walk or run or lay on a couch or something like that. Down here too there are some leaflets that uh, might want to, you might want to uh, have a look at that might interest you. Again, they're free. The other thing we like to do here at DPC is to run short, friendly, informal, no-pressure courses to help people who are interested in finding out a bit more about Jesus and Christianity. And if you're interested in one of those, there's a sheet down here. You can put your name and your details and we'll get in touch with you and find out what it is you're interested in, what time suits you and all that sort of stuff. Encourage you to do that. However, you know what? It might be... It might be that already you've had enough time to think about these things. And it might be that right now even you're thinking, hey, I would like to be on the receiving end of the grace of God. It might even be that right now you're ready to come to the Father through Jesus. If that's the case, I'm going to pray in a moment just a short prayer, the words of which are behind me on the screen. And uh, in a moment, I'm going to pray this prayer. And you might like to make the words of this prayer your own. They're not magical words. They're very simple words. There are no, no formula. It's just like the tax collector. It's a matter of admitting that you cannot do it on your own and pleading with God for mercy. I'm going to pray these words in a moment. And you might like to make them your own in the quietness of your own heart. God will certainly hear you. So... How about we pray? You might want to keep your eyes open to read the words or you might want to listen to me as I read them. It won't matter. God will hear you, but I'm going to pray. Lord God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I give up trying to please you with my own efforts. I gladly receive the gift of life that you offer through Jesus. Thank you. Thank you that he died for my sins. Thank you that he rose to bring life. Help me to follow Jesus as my saviour king. Amen.